This is this great high priestly prayer. And he, he lifts up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Just make a note there. There are many people who seek to know God, but it doesn't say that eternal life is just God on his own, in a sense of an isolation. It says that eternal life is to know the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, listen to these words. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is something unimaginable to you and me. The glory that Jesus Christ had with his Father before his incarnation, before he came as a man. He was still the Son of God. Make no mistake about it. He didn't become the Son at his birth. He has always been, always was, and always will be the Son of God. And he was in such glory that is beyond measure, beyond the scope of any imagination. Matthew 17, verse 2. He says Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. Imagine being there on that mountain. And that again was just a glimmer. For we know that if we were to stand in the presence of the living God unveiled in all of his glory, that we would fall to our knees, every breath gone from our lungs, melted like a wax figurine between, in front of a, a fire or a furnace. We would just die in the presence of Almighty God, in his glory. If he was to unveil his glory right now in this room, we would die. And so even here, when he was transfigured, even here when they saw his face shining as the sun, it says... His raiment was as white as the light. This was just still a glimpse of who this man was. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, He is called Wonderful, Counselor. He's called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And in three different places, maybe more, but I have three references here. 1 Timothy 6, 15, Revelation 17, 14, Revelation 19, 16. He is King of kings. And he is Lord of all lords. And you imagine the kings that we've had. Imagine those that have been wicked and those that have been great. Imagine all the lords that lift themselves up in this earth. 
all those with great titles and grandeur. And he is Lord of them all and King of all the monarchs that this world has to offer. He is the Word of God. Revelation 19 again says in verse 13 that he was clothed with a vesture. This is in John's vision that Jesus gave him. He says he was clothed. The Son of God was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. How can we not then go to John chapter 1 when we speak of the Word of God? John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word. And we may even want to go then to Genesis. Same words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and every part of the Godhead was there and involved. And God created the Son, if we like, spoke. He is the Word. And the Holy Spirit hovered and applied that Word to creation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And look what it says about him, verse 3. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. There is nothing that has come into fruition that we see, hear, taste, smell, touch, feel, hear. That has come into being without him. Verse 4, in him was life. How sad is it and how devastating is it that every person who we preach to in the open air or in our daily witnessing who mock and scorn the Son of God have no idea that it is the one that they scorn who holds their life in his hands. And the truth is that he could take it away in a second. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In some versions, I believe it says, the darkness could not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. I can't, I can't, I can't fathom this. That the one who made the earth, the one who made everything in it, the one that made every person and holds their breath in his hands, came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave 
he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, everything we've just read, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And it says in brackets here, we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory. What wonder. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, again, speaking of this image, of the glory of Jesus Christ. Speaking of him, it says, who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. You see, I am so unable to declare to you the glory of Jesus Christ. That the only thing that I can do is to read to you from the inerrant word of God. Who better to explain than those who were given direct revelation from God. Those that were with him. Those, as it says in, in the letter of 1 John, that, that touched him and held him. Who then wrote of his glory. Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir to all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. 
Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath appointed thee, anointed thee, sorry, with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same. And thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And we see in all these pieces of scripture, the majesty and the glory, the beauty, the transcendence, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is almighty. He is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. He is sovereign. Everything is his, including us. In him we live and move and have our being. All authority, both on earth and in heaven, is his. No one thing exists or lives without him. We have this saying, don't we, when we're trying to explain something that is so huge that we only have like a little bit of knowledge, that we say that we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg. And the reason for that saying is because on the sea you get some magnificent icebergs that are huge. But do you know that the greatest part of the iceberg is beneath the sea? That you can't see it. The greatest mass is below, and only that which is above is the tip. That is what it's like. We only touch the tip of an iceberg in our understanding of who he is. But then we come back to Proverbs 16, verse 19. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly, and to divide the spoil with the proud. And you may think to yourself, how does that tie up with everything that we've just read? It was said of Moses in his day that he was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. That was Moses. Meekest man on the face of the earth. Whilst it is true to say that this proverb that we've just read is written to us all, the, the instruction or the advice or the wisdom of it, better it is, he's saying to us, look, it's better for you to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than it is to divide the spoil with the proud. And as much as it is for us, there is one who is meekness and lowliness personified. Zechariah prophesied of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. He said these words, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! 
Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. He is lowly. Jesus said of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? I am meek and I am lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus is lowly. Jesus is meek. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. And I think that we find this humility, this lowliness, this meekness, and this servanthood within an account in John chapter 13. I'm going to read this to you. John chapter 13, verse 13 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, riseth from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I, don't, I think it's hard to find another account that expresses the meekness, the humility, the servanthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we understand that this job of washing the feet of those who came to die was for, for the most menial of servants? Not just a servant, but for, for the little lad who was just coming up into servanthood, however that worked. It was for the, it was for the lowest of the low. It was something that the, the Son of God, everything we've just read about him and his majesty. You know, years ago, I used to watch competitions on TV, singing competitions, talent competitions. One of the questions that the judges often used to ask them was, why are you doing this? What is it you want? And a lot of the time you'd have such answers like, I just want to be uh, one of the greatest recording artists has ever been. I want, to, I want to sell millions of records, multi-platinum. I want my name up in lights. I want the world to know who I am. I really, really just want this. I want to be a, a success. I want to be known across the world. But how many of us stand on a stage when asked that question and say I just want to have a towel and I want to wash your feet how many people would say that because every single person in this room tonight has pride every one of us has pride every one of us has a certain amount of arrogance. It's the least thing we want to do. We stand on a stage and we, we, we want everything that we can get out of life. We want success. And it doesn't matter who you are. You want people to know your name. To some degree. I'm not saying that everybody's the same in every level. But how many of us want to take that towel and be a servant to our neighbour and we're not just talking about somebody ordinary here is it any wonder that John turned round to Jesus and said I baptise you surely it is I that needs to be baptised by you I can understand why John would say such a thing Jesus said, suffer it now, so that we may fulfill all righteousness. But this is, Jesus, this, is, this is the same person that we read all those scriptures about. The glorious one, the high and lofty one. The one in whom the people's feet he created, he was on his knees washing them. And they were filthy. They used to walk in such mess and, and, and disgusting things on the streets that their feet were an absolute atrocity. And he washed their feet. There's great spiritual meanings to this. But I'm just focusing on the servanthood of Christ. 
And that this beautiful saviour, this pure spotless lamb, just went so low to wash the feet of his disciples. Romans 5 Verse 6 to 8 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man somebody might dare even to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Most of us, probably most of us men who are married and have children or whatever. We might turn around and we might say, you know, if somebody came into my house at night and were threatening my family, I would stand in the way and I would die before they got to them. And we would, no doubt. But how many of us would die for our enemies? How many of us would lay our life down for those we know hate us and would do everything they could to rub our name in the dirt? This is the Son of God. This is the lowly one. He is glorious. He is wonderful. He is all-powerful. He is the one whose name should be in lights. And yet this very one stooped to be so lowly so that we should say that it's better. It's better for us to tag our name and everything that we are unto him who is lowly and to divide the spoil with the proud. Believers, friends, are called to be of the same mind and heart. Matthew 5, 5 tells us, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again in Psalm 37, verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Looking back to Philippians again, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Again, in verse 5, we already read earlier, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2 says, For ye remember, brethren, our labour and travail. For labouring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, our holily and justly and unblamely, and blameably, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we ex exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his children. 
that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and his glory. Romans 15, 1-5 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves, let every one of us please his neighbour for his, his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whosoever, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. We read in Galatians of the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we have the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. God hates the proud and the haughty. Proverbs 11.2 tells us, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Jesus warns the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 12 that whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Again, in Proverbs 16, 18, we are warned, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Love not the world, one John says, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. So I ask tonight, friends, are we joining Christ, the lowly, being humble in spirit, being meek, and servant-like, or do we number ourselves with those who are proud and haughty? It is better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly. And who is the lowly? Truly, the lowly is Christ Jesus himself. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with him than to divide the spoil of the riches and all that this world could offer, to be proud and haughty. And I do implore you tonight, along with myself, that we examine ourselves, that we deal with ourselves before God. Because we are all dealing with a prideful spirit. We're all dealing with arrogance and haughtiness. May we, by the help of God, and it is only by his help, because our nature is to want everything that we can. And the world, what's out there, the attitude of the world out there is to tread upon anybody in order to promote yourself and to be successful. That's not the way of Christ. Let us test ourselves 
And by his grace and mercy, may we become those who wash one another's feet and become servants of the Most High God and to put one another first. May God help us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us, if we can, just take a few more minutes just to finish off in song, thinking of what we've heard about the glory of God, who he is, and that in our lives, and there's much more that can be said about knowing God and how little we really do know of who he is in his glory and his greatness. Let us sing number 388. Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you, our King. Standing here in the midst of us, we raise you up with our praise. Let's raise him up. We 